we, uh, we're going to continue on in the series we're doing called Who Do You Think You Are? We're talking about our identity in Christ and how important it is for us to know that. We have a very real enemy who's like the, uh, the master of identity theft. And so it's important that we know who we are in Christ and what that means and how that impacts our lives. We've been looking at the Beatitudes over the last uh, few weeks as part of um, this whole process of knowing who we are and that these are the attitudes that are being developed in us as citizens of the kingdom as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And said so they build on one another and so it's been very important for us to see how they work together. We talked last week about becoming pure in heart and I said that was about integrity and integrity is where you... Um, where how you say you live and how you actually walk it out really start to get pretty close together. And that's important for us in, in this whole process. I was going to do a sermon on peacemaking today because that's the next beatitude, but I'm going to have to cancel it due to a conflict. <laughs> all right, all right, bad joke. So I, <laughs> I, I didn't tell you a joke last week. And, and so sometimes, believe it or not, some of them actually get cut out in the process of trying to make the sermon work. But uh, we were talking about integrity, and there's a story in there that I really liked. And so I was sharing it with Alice after the message, and we had the best time laughing about this story and sort of how it went together. And we were, I, I told her in the, in the car, and uh, it, it was just a lot of fun. So I thought I would share that with you because I think it's, uh, it's pretty important. It doesn't really work with peacemaking, but call, call this a tie-in to integrity last week and how important it is to live try and do the next right thing. And, and, you know, I even said almost living like somebody's watching. So this was the story that got cut last week. One evening after work, a man drove his secretary home after she'd had a little too much drink uh, to drink at an office party. Although nothing happened, he decided not to mention it to his wife. Later that night, the man and his wife were driving to a movie when he spotted a high-heeled shoe hidden under the passenger seat. Pointing to something out the passenger window to distract his wife, he picked up the shoe and tossed it out the window. They arrived at the theater a short time later and were about to get out of the car when his wife said, Honey, have you seen my other shoe? (laughs) Now, here's where we were. We were just uncomfortably laughing because I said, here's the... You know, the problem, you can trace it right back to the beginning. Nothing had happened. There was, a, but the, the, the guy, you know, should have called home first or, or at least owned up to it when he got home or something. Or we said nowadays you could just call Uber. You could do a million other things rather than that. But you, nothing had happened. It was not a big deal. And yet he just sort of thought, you know, I think I'll just omit that whole process and we'll continue on. So all was well. And then, you know, I, I just love thinking about the rest of it. So. They're driving to the movies. All is good. He thinks everything's great when he sees that high-heeled shoe. Now, just just try and put yourself in some of these people's positions. And all of a sudden, he's like, well, now it's especially bad because he hasn't said anything, which makes it feel like something had gone on or he would have said something right at the beginning. And so he's got to think quick. And really, that's pretty quick thinking. Hey, honey, what's that over there? And then out the window, the shoe goes. And so he's probably thinking again, we're just laughing. Okay, everything's all right. We're going to be okay. You know, he's thinking, oh, well, who, kinda... and then they get to the movies and I love that. Honey, have you seen my other shoe? And it's like, where does he go from there? What does he, 
So there's no way he can own up to now what's happened. Look, here's what happened. I got to back it way up here because then he's in big trouble. And so he's got to, what's it, you know, it's just gotten worse and worse and worse. And can you imagine his poor wife going, I know I had him on when I got in the car. How can this be? And the guy's got to go, I, I don't know. What'd you do, honey? <laughs> so we just spent time laughing about that and, and, I think it's so uncomfortably funny because how often something that we've pretty much omitted because it wasn't a big deal spirals into something else completely. And so it's just so important that we understand, you know, integrity and trying to, you know, say what we mean and why we do it and, and not, you know, trying to work it into something else. So we, uh, we, we did that. And I, all of these beatitudes, so that's about integrity. They build on one another. So if you, if you miss sort of what's happening, you can't get to the next part of the process. And really, we, without integrity, we, we can never become peacemakers. And that's what I want to talk about today, because this is really our mission. See, this is why we're, we're here, is that, that we're, we're here for a mission. We have purpose. We have reason. And it's to be a light into the world and, and to help other people come to know Jesus. Here's a scripture reading for today, 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view though we once regarded christ in this way we do so no longer therefore if anyone is in christ he's a new creation the old is gone the new has come all this is from god who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against him. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God." We talk about that passage here fairly often. We, we really get our mission of one more from those verses. And the idea of reconciliation is about peacemaking. It's about being at peace with God. The beatitude is Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Or the sons of God, your translation might say. Children of God. Um, Remember that that word blessed is, uh, it may be translated happy in some of your Bibles, which is part of it, but it's more than that. It's the opposite word of the word for sin, and that's the play on the word. Sin is about going our way. Blessed is about going God's way, living God's way. So that's what we're going to talk about in this beatitude of being peacemakers. So let's start with this point number one. What does it mean to be called the children of God? We're the sons of God is my translation. The children of God is a newer translation. It means that as his children, we're displaying the character of our heavenly father. And we know that our heavenly father is a God of peace. First Thessalonians 5.23, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit and soul and body be cut blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's the God of peace. And we also know that he's a peacemaker from the passages we read earlier, 2 Corinthians 5.19. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he's committed to, committed to us the message of reconciliation. You see, all of his story, as demonstrated in the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, 
is about God making a way to bring lasting peace between himself and his rebellious creation, which is us. And as his children, as those who have come into knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior, that becomes our desire as well in this process because we love what he loves. And so we're to be peacemakers because he is a peacemaker, a reconciler. And that's what we're going to look at. So point number two is this. What does it mean then to be a peacemaker? Here's the definition, but then I'm going to break it down into points so that you can remember it and, and uh, the way we have it. But this is what the definition looks like. A peacemaker is someone who is at peace with God because they experience the peace of God. Out of that, their desire is to live at peace with everyone, always being ready to share the reason for their peace by proclaiming the gospel of peace so that everyone would come to know his peace. That's what it means to be a peacemaker. Now, as I said, the Beatitudes and and knowing them and allowing the Spirit to develop them in us are so important because um, they build on one another. See, we we can't be peacemakers unless we're fully aware of our own desperate need for God Um, and and that we need Him because we're, we're broken. And that realization causes us then to want to live for Him above all else. And it it causes us to to live by trying to do the next right thing, understanding in the process our own need for mercy, and then extending that mercy to the world around us with a heart that's in process of being made new. And in that, then it allows us to begin to see people differently, not in a judgmental way or a critical way, but, but seeing people in the beauty of their potential. And, and because of that, loving them and extending this grace and mercy to them because we get that they're just lost and broken and, and we were broken as well. The difference is we've come to know Jesus and that's where we found life. See, that's the, the heart of it. There's nothing like seeing someone become reconciled to God, someone coming to peace with God. It's life-changing. I was talking to someone just this morning who was here, and they're getting ready to move, and they told me this. They said, I started coming to church here years ago, and I was such a mess. And after I started coming for a little while, and it felt like home, and I came to know Jesus, and everything is different than it was now. It's not that it was perfect, and it's not, you know, but but it's just different because of coming to peace with God and what a difference that makes. And I think for most of us, we can remember. I mean, do you ever, th- do you ever think about what it was like before you knew Jesus? Now, some of you probably grew up in it, and that's cool, and you've got your own stories. But for folks like us who were way out there when we came into it, um, what a difference just knowing Jesus has made and continues to make in our lives. And that's this process that we have to understand. So it's important for us to be peacemakers. And so I gave you the definition. Let's break it down. Little letter A. So first and foremost, a peacemaker is at peace with God. We've been reconciled to Him. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So what's happened is we've we've come to know Christ. We are justified. I said that's the amazing thing that happens when we first come to know Jesus. Justification. I don't 
use a whole lot of churchy words, but there's a few that you just have to know. That's one of them. Justification, just as if I'd never seen, uh, sinned, that, that, that God chooses to see us now in the perfection of His Son when we come to Him in, in Christ. What an amazing, amazing gift that is. That's where everything changed. We couldn't earn it. We, di- we didn't deserve it, but, but that's what He's done for us. So we're justified in Him. We've confessed with our mouths and believed in our hearts that Jesus is Lord. And, and in that, then we've been saved or born again or born anew or made new or whatever that is, spiritually born. However you like to think of that, that's what's happened in that process. Because of that, our sins have been forgiven and we're at peace with Him. We've been reconciled to God. That's where it has to start. B, a peacemaker then experiences the peace of God. So, so when you come to peace with God and you're in relationship with Him in Christ, you then begin to experience His peace. Philippians 4, 7, most of you will know, with, know this verse, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding or surpasses all understanding or is, is more than we can understand, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The verse before that, verse 6, most of you know, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God transcends all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, there's, there's something about knowing that. So once we're at peace with Him, we, we can begin to experience His peace. And that's critical for us to have life. See, you weren't created to handle the impact of worry and stress and anxiety in your life. You're just not built that way. Because God never intended you to have to deal with that. He wants to do that. He does that. He takes that on. We learn to trust Him. We don't have to live in anxiety. It says, don't be anxious about anything. He's reminding us of the way that we're supposed to live. And yet culturally, we're so bombarded by information that's negative most of the time. And the way it's impacted us is that we start to get anxious and worried about all kinds of things. How does this impact me? How does that impact me? What does this mean? What do we do? And then, then if you're any good at worrying at all, you start thinking about every possible scenario that you might uh, go through in order to avoid that or what is going to happen. And you've processed all these things and you just you, you exhaust yourself emotionally and you're, you're a wreck. And you, you weren't created that way. And so it begins to have and take a physical toll on your body. And, and you, just, you, you, you literally start to fall apart in places because this thing is on you that you weren't supposed to carry. But see, we don't have to. We can trust Him. That doesn't mean that stuff doesn't happen. It just means we can trust Him with our lives now and forever because He's got us. And so we begin to experience peace. It doesn't make sense. The Scripture even says that, that it passes understanding. But we can be at peace with Him. And I, I, I hate it when I get into, stuck into that anxiety-worry thing. And I've been praying, you know, for 30-some years now, God, catch me quicker so that I don't have to spend days like that or even hours like that or more than a couple of moments. By the Lord, help me to see immediately I'm there and let me turn that into prayer, which actually does something because it gets you involved. It, it changes me. It does all kinds of things. So that's the process. So we at peace with Him. We can begin to experience peace. So then see, because a peacemaker wants to live at peace with everyone. See, we're, we're to live in a way that it dif- makes a difference in the world around us. I love what Paul says about this, though, because he, he's, you know, he, he's really cool. Romans twelve eighteen. If it is possible, that's the part that I like. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So, you know, there, there might be situations where you just can't, 
Have you ever tried? Have you ever found some? Have you ever met a difficult person? <laughs> don't, nobody, you know, don't do this with anybody that's with you, please. And no matter how hard you've tried, you just haven't been able to, almost, I've, I've, in my own life, I've actually had some scenarios where I thought, I'm sure if they got to know me, they'd like me. <laughs> what a shock to find out they already knew me well enough to know that they just didn't like me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but but so sometimes that's part of the deal. But it can't be on our end. See, we want to do what we can to live at peace with everyone because we're people of mission, see? And so it's not that we've just figured this out. We now have a... a, a we want to be like our Father, and we, we want to be peacemakers as well. And so we're to let His light shine through us, and we're, if we're not at peace with people, we won't, we won't do that. We, we end up getting critical and judgmental. I said that's been the issue for the church for a long time, pointing at people's sins and forgetting how Jesus did it. See, Jesus loved people so much that they were all drawn to Him. The, from every spectrum, they just wanted to be with Jesus. Even if they didn't agree with him, they just wanted to be with him because there was something that, that came from him that just let them knew, know that they were special somehow. And, and he loved people. And he invited them to the table and he hung out with them. Now, he never took sin lightly. Some people want to go there. Never, ever did he do that. He just didn't make a person's sin the focus. He made the heart of the person the focus. He, he saw the beauty of their potential. And he loved them that way. And then they responded and wanted to change. See, that was the, the big deal that took place. And that's what needs to happen. So if we're not living at peace with everyone, we're not going to do that. D, a peacemaker then is ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. We talk about the good news here all the time, the gospel. In uh, praying on the, the armor of God in Ephesians 6.15, it says, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We're to be ready when the opportunity arises to share the good news. Don't, we don't have to force it. We don't have to push it in. When the opportunity arises, we just need to be ready. And I promise you, when these things are happening and you're, and you're living because and, and you're in relationship with Him and you're experiencing peace in ways that the culture isn't and you're trying to live at peace with everyone, opportunities will arise where you get to share it, you're, the gospel. It might start with being kind. It might start with some encouragement. It might start with something. But the opportunity will arise and then we share it because we're ambassadors that God's made a way for us to be connected to Him. You see, because our desire, E, is that everyone would come to know His peace. Everyone would know it. Not, it because that's where life is. Not, not for any other reason. No, no other motive than, listen, we, we've come to know Him. We're, we're reconciled to Him. He's amazing. And He wants to be in relationship with you. And, and this is how it happens. Romans 15, 13, he says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So as we're walking this thing out, it really flows out of us and impacts the world around us. And, and we just love people well enough that we get those opportunities to share the gospel with them so they can confess with their mouths and know in their hearts that Jesus is Lord. And, and then they find life as well. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. So we're exhorted to be peacemakers, take on the mission that he's given us. We'll pick it up from there next week.